G'day listeners, welcome to episode 32 of the Skip It podcast, the show where we break down each episode of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. I'm Lee and with me is John. Hello. And Ashwin. Hi guys. And today we're covering episode 32, which is called 10 Little Visitors. This episode aired October 7th, 1968. It was directed by Max Vinell and written by Ross Napier. In addition to our regular cast this week, we have Kate McKittrick playing Miss Duval and Betty Lim Saw Yim playing Miss Ho. And although not by name yet, we're introduced to them right at the start. And really, neither went on to do much more in the film or TV business after Skippy, aside from a few credits for Kate on Homicide, which Skippy seems to draw a lot of its cast from. Have you noticed that they always <laughs> yeah. draw from Homicide? Yeah, there seems to be a crossover there, I think. Yeah. I think it's a way of trying to break stereotype or casting after being on such a family-friendly show. It's good to be on a murder. Also with those cop shows, like they are just notorious for just casting everybody. So it's like, you know, there's always a cop show from like America, UK, Australia. It has every actor that's from that country in it at some point. And yeah. it just seems to sort of be that way in all the Western countries, I think. I don't know why. Yeah, I'd also say that with Australia back in the 60s, it wouldn't have been an enormous film industry. So you'd probably be no. pulling from the same kind of pool for a lot of the different... Yes, there's very small, small uh, um, a group of people to get. Yeah. Well, we also had 10 children guest starring, but I couldn't find any credits for them. No, I couldn't find any either. Yeah, well, look, they represent the main theme of this episode. So though we don't know their names, they do make a very loud impact and <laughs> loud, I'm saying on purpose. So what do you reckon, guys? reckon we should just tuck into this episode? Yeah, let's start her off. And I'm also just w- worried a little bit about how Ross Napier is going to handle all these foreign national script-wise. <laughs> yeah, good question. So listeners, we can answer that for you. So here we go. We start off on an, an iconic Aussie plane. So it's a Qantas jet, which is a pretty good shot as well. It was a real shot. It wasn't a model, which I thought was very impressive. And then inside the plane, the captain enters the cabin and tells the passengers that they're over the Waratah National Park if the children would like to take a look. And Miss Duval thanks him for this. And the kids rush to the windows, making a really loud noise as they go. So uh, let's start with you, Ashman. Were you impressed by that plane set? Yeah, I, the first thing I noticed before the plane set was the logo. It wasn't the modern kangaroo Qantas logo that we saw. I'm not sure if it was a little different. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. It had more text on it. Um, but yeah, the set itself was yeah very realistic. I thought that's, yeah, very, very realistically done. Yeah, usually in the second season, if the first season performs well, a show will increase the budget. But this was... Not midway through, I guess. I guess we're in the 32nd episode, so we're pretty much towards the end of the season now. But they, they really had an impressive set, I thought. Do you think so as well, John? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they did like a deal with Qantas where they could either film on a plane. But what I noticed was it was a little bit almost like um, a bit of a comedy sketch because the captain comes out. It's like, who's flying the plane? And then he he asked them all to rush to one side, which I'm pretty sure is like a really bad thing for weight distribution when flying. So I just thought the safety there was definitely out. But really enjoyable little shot because you got an introduction to what was going to come. Yeah, Yeah, actually, that's a good point. The captain should have come out and said, half of you look at the Waratah National Park, the other half look at the shitty cloud on the other side. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, below them, we see Sonny and Skip on the ranger station porch. They're looking up at the plane and wondering if they'd look like ants from up there. Matt calls for him, and like the dutiful son, he runs to see him. Matt says he has a special assignment for him. Now, this leads to an answer to a question we've all had before, which is how old Sonny is. Here's the assignment. Should Sonny choose to accept it? There are 10 10 10-year-olds, which he reveals, and here we go, is about the same age as Sonny. They're coming to the park. Matt would like Sonny to act as a guide for them, and they're going to be coming from all over the world, Italy, Spain, Japan. They formed the International Children's Federation, and Waratah Park has been chosen as one of their destinations. So, John, let me ask you two questions, actually. Let's start with Sonny's age. Was it about what you expected? Because he acts much older, but he looks quite young. So did you think he'd be about that? Look, I always guessed about nine or ten. But yeah. that was just me. Um, I sort of guess, you know, Bart Simpson's age before he t- turned 10. And sorry, what was the second question? Well, the second question I have is, have you ever heard of the International Children's Federation? Because I can't well, find anything on it. I thought that was completely made up. Like, because there's no reason for this to ever happen in real life. Like, apart from a school from just one country. But it's not like the, like the UN have, like, children that they just, like, send around the world. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But I could understand maybe for a charity, it's like um, just an organisation that exists so they can do this. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like Ross Napier was like, I need a premise where these bloody goofy foreigners can't even speak English. And if we make up the Children's Federation, we can get 10 of them from all parts of the world to not speak English. Though. And I also like going back, like just sort of this whole series is just like a complete advert for Australia. You know, like, because even with the, I didn't even think about it, but like Qantas, you know, that's how you get here. Yeah. Um, you know, like, they, and, and this episode in particular is a real like, come to Australia, like, apart from, you know, some dangerous bits. But even then, like, it's all very innocent. Yeah, it's probably why they were able to get the deal with Qantas, because yeah. of that exact reason. So Yeah, it's like tourism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's get to the mission. So, or more importantly, Sonny's response to the mission. His response is a pretty glorious Aussie expression, which is, this is going to be beaut. And then <laughs> Matt drops the bombshell. None of the kids speaks a word of English. And Sonny's face drops, going from beaut to struth. <laughs> we cut to the kids then disembarking from the plane and hopping onto the bus. And Duval looks stressed and says to her international counterpart, which is Ho, Oh, and this is only the beginning, and it kind of signals the time that they've got ahead of them, but it also tells us as the audience what we're going to be in for for this episode. And also, just a note, the kids are just going insane and not stop yelling as well. Yes, yeah, they're screaming, they just cannot keep quiet. So after the credits, the chopper takes off with Matt and Jerry, and Sonny, Mike, and Clancy wave goodbye, where Clancy then remarks to Sonny about how much work is ahead of him. Mark says, parlez-vous français? And Sonny looked at him with, let's be honest, it was a Mark expression. <laughs> Mark, Mark then explains that it's French. And Sonny, pretty sarcastic, you don't say. Mark says, well... Then you sprechen the Deutsch. And Sonny tells him that he doesn't need to sprechen it because it's not necessary for his job or he doesn't think so at that point. Clancy then asks Mark if he speaks Spanish, but she asks it in Spanish. And then we get that trademark confused Mark look. <laughs> so do you speak it? He asks Clancy and she responds to him in Spanish. So he, as he says, will take her word for it. She then explains that she had a Spanish music teacher once. Ashwin, is Clancy the smartest of the kids, do you think? I was amazed at how bilingual these kids are. Like, where did this come from? And also that banter between them. I think that's the first time I've seen those three just bantering where they're not dialoguing to move the story forward. They're just Mm. kind of teasing and playing. And it was kind of like a fun 
conversation to watch, well, I think, for that reason. Well, yeah. they're both totally giving Sonny shit about not being able to speak the language. But I, I like it, though, because we've seen this before where Mark tries to be a wise ass and Clancy comes in and just okay. basically smashes him. Which is which was good. I think it's a good yeah. dynamic between. It's a great, guys. yeah. It's a great little uh, conflict, but it's yes. light, so it's not yeah. like it's very innocent. Yeah, yeah, and also well, must be think this radio school like can't they teach one foreign language? He's only learned <laughs> maths and English, or so what? Yeah, it just seems like a bit of an, a missed opportunity for radio school. Yeah, true. Well, Sunny though, speaking of languages, asks a pretty common little kid question to Mark, which is, why doesn't everyone speak the same language and then everyone could understand each other? And this is really where we're getting into the episode's theme, all about communication. Mm. Now, Mark then says he doesn't know, and then he utters, hasta la vista, baby. Okay, he doesn't say the baby. <laughs> but it was interesting hearing him say it, even if it didn't sound anywhere near as cool as Arnie. And it probably was, and I could be wrong about this, but it probably was the first time any English-speaking media had used that farewell, like until later on when T2 made it so famous. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure America, with a lot of Westerns, there would have been uh, quite a bit of that. But uh, definitely for for that kind of gawky person not really that's supposed to say it you know yeah. um in that way yeah think, like, i'm glad if if arnie did get this off skippy i'm glad he chose that line like what if his catchphrase <laughs> after every killing had been like parlez-vous français yeah. <laughs> like because this is the we're getting the list here like uh skippy's totally like rocky. it's inspired rocky it's inspired james cameron for terminator 2 and like even to, to maybe some of the scenes at the end he probably took some inspiration there it, you know this was shown internationally so it's very highly likely that these people yeah. have seen it so sunny asks mark what Hasta La Vista means. And Mark answers, how would I know? I never had a Spanish music teacher. From here, we cut back to Jerry and Matt up in the chopper and they're looking for the kids. Jerry says he'd love to have been involved and Matt sarcastically says to him, yeah, I can see you're real heartbroken about it. So pretty sarcastic at that point. But then we cut to an attractive blonde waiting for them. Now, John, at this point, they're cutting between the chopper and this blonde lady. Did Mm. you get the impression Jerry was flying towards his kryptonite? (laughs) <laughs> yes, well, we do find that he, he has, like, triple kryptonite. But um, no, no, it was interesting. And also, like, as they're talking in the chopper, they're flying over Sydney Harbour and presumably landing at Sydney Airport. Yes. And so, so Matt is getting dropped off there so he can go with the kids. We've got the, the stewardess, and the outfit is pretty cool as well. Like, she's in, in full-on stewardess 60s uh, little hat and, oh, what is it, like, green like a pastel green i'm not sure and um and yet yeah very smart and um i wasn't exactly sure what was happening here because you you didn't really see the plane until matt came up to it i'll paint the picture so they 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 land and the blonde introduces herself as del vernon so a quick bit about this actress here whose name the actress's name is janet kinsbury so despite her small role in this particular episode she actually had a really long tv career that Mm. continued all the way up into 2016 so as well as skippy she featured in some pretty famous aussie shows like home and away and all saints her most recent appearance though was in the show doctor doctor where her character's name was old Old lady lady. (laughs) (laughs) that were giving her long career the respect that it deserves for that particular credit from this point on then this is where it gets randy so matt introduces him and jerry and then matt says he'll leave jerry there with her and wait for the children which to me was the equivalent of leaving a human-sized pile of crack in front of a drug addict (laughs) 
because you don't do that with with Jerry. Um, so to prove the point, they then cut to Jerry's face, and he has the most excited, goofy smile on his face about this particular interaction. That I just thought, oh god, yep, he's definitely his thirstiest look. Yeah, and we ne- and this never ever gets like elaborated again. Like it's just it's just Jerry's character. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the thing is, Matt sees it, and he looks back and forth between them, and it looks like he's going to say something, and then the bus arrives. So Vernon takes Matt and Jerry over to Duval, and then she kind of leaves, and Jerry's watching her go, but as one gazelle leaves, there's more fresh meat behind for him to pounce on. And that's when Matt introduces himself to Duval, and Jerry clears his throat behind him so that Matt can intro him to her, which he then does. Then Miss Ho steps off the bus, and Duval intros her to them as well. Be good, Jerry, Matt says before he goes. And then Jerry says, you too, which was kind of, I was thinking, are they both ladies' men? Like, what? That was a bit confusing. I wasn't sure. What what was your impression on that? Yeah, I don't think Matt was a ladies' man, but he had to smirk. They're both so smirky in that moment. So, yeah, I just, I wasn't sure. I was worried that Jerry was going to embarrass us, embarrass himself. But I just thought this was a weird interlude. I feel like they're setting up Jerry's thirstiness for future episodes. This was just a moment to reinforce his character because it was totally irrelevant to kids not speaking English. Absolutely. That's what I mean. Like, you never see this again. It's just like Jerry being Jerry. And yeah. I don't know, like, I think he was maybe just giving uh, Matt some crap. Just, you know, you know, enjoy yourself too. Because yeah. we all know Matt is like, you know, Captain Dad. So he's not going to do anything. Yeah. Well, Matt then says he'll see them back at the ranch. Back at the ranch, Clancy, Sonny and Mark, they see the bus arriving and the kids are still making a ton of noise in the bus. And when they depart, they immediately rush over to Skippy and start patting her. Now, a young boy then says something to Sonny in, and I don't know the language. I'm going to ask you, Ashwin, because I thought it might have been Hindi, but I I didn't understand. He was speaking Hindi. This is why I was like, oh my God, and I'm hearing Hindi on this Australian show. yeah, he, he says, uh, which is, what are you saying? You are, What are you saying? And Sonny mm. thinks he's saying his name. That's it. Yeah. So Sonny, Sonny replies like, I'm Sonny, what's your name? And then when the boy says that, yeah, he's, he says, oh, that's a nice name. And it's actually Clancy who comes over and explains that he wasn't giving his name. And then in the background, you can see Mark still laughing to himself. And then the boy does say again. Now, I, I, I did actually try to write it down phonetically. So am I saying it right with Junkar Bolta, eh? Tom is you. Kia is what, Bolta is talking, and Ha is is. So it's kind of like, what is, what is you talking? What are you talking? There was a slight grammatical thing, because normally if you say Tum, you have to say Ho, like Tum, Kia, Bolta, Ho. So that's why I was like, did they get the language wrong? Or is this like a Punjabi way of speaking? I was just wondering if Ross Napier just used the 1968 Google Translate and found some Indian kid raised in Australia and said, hey, just say this thing. It's probably right. But it sounded slightly incorrect. If it's Tum, it's Tum, Kia, Bolta, Ho, not Tum, Kia, Bolta, Ha. So I don't know. Maybe someone can correct us if you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was really interesting, that little bit. And also, did you, like, feel super sorry for Skippy as well? Just getting absolutely swamped by these children. And to paint a picture, it's basically like a scrum where they're just patting Skippy and she's just taking it. If she was claustrophobic, that would be the worst experience but also i can imagine that being the worst experience for a kangaroo ever because <laughs> they're used to being out and like even when we're out there in the mob they're not like all together yeah. so i'd imagine it being a very terrifying experience because i just was like oh no 
Poor Skippy. There were, there were a few of those coming up, so we'll get to them. <laughs> we'll get to them uh, towards the end of the episode. But um, at this point, we cut to Matt, Ho, and Duval, who come over and watch as Skippy bolts. So exactly like you said, Johnny, he, she's not happy in that situation. She bolts. The kids sprint after her, and Ho basically run away and chase to try to rescue the kids or and, just get uh, them back yeah yeah get them back and that leads clancy to remind sunny again of what a big afternoon he has in store so sunny gives his trademark we've heard him do this a few times oh boy and mark meanwhile is still laughing about this whole thing next we see mark on the ranger station boat driving the kids around and he's like hold on everybody and i was thinking well ash will ask you given what we've seen previously happen when mark is driving was this a safe move yeah i was worried about mark driving in general but I didn't mind. Yeah, I didn't mind that scene there. But I was like, if I had, if I could have any one of their jobs, it would definitely be Mark's job in in that part of the story. But it is one of, again one of those things where it's like let's let the teenager take the ten foreign children out on a boat and joyride and like swerve around like so you could potentially you know and he stops really quickly as well. So you like a scene of just all the kids slamming up against the windshield. Just, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I was sort of a bit apprehensive about this because he was hooning yeah. around. This is kind of the opposite. Like, normally you would get a seven-year-old driver if you went to Thailand, whereas here it's when you come to Australia, you get an eight-year-old, especially if this is going to be a tourist app for the country. Teenager. Teenage drivers, yeah. Thankfully, in this situation, the kids arrive on the pier without any incident. They're still shouting like crazy, though, and we see Skippy watching in the distance, and she covers her ears, so it's our first dead hand shot of this particular episode. <laughs> it's pretty good. Like, the way that they did that covering the ears, I thought it was pretty effective. Yeah, there's... Yeah. Well, and later on, like, their CG budget... Yeah. Like just got boosted or something because I like I don't know how they did it. I'm assuming string, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, Matt says when they arrive, the kids seem to enjoy themselves. And Mark, then to to your point, Ashwin, about the job that you would want, he says, "Well, that's my job done." And Sunny points out that driving them around on a boat isn't exactly hard. And Mark says that his ears though are still ringing from the racket the kids made, so it's not like it was super easy. Yeah. Matt then tells Sunny he'll pick them up in three hours, and he says to the kids, "Bye." And then they scream by over and over and over again in this continuous wail, causing Matt to then cover his ears and for him and Mark basically to, to escape. They speed off on the boat just to get the hell out of there. Sonny then shows Duval he's got a map and he can use it to take them on a bushwalk. And Duval thanks him, pointing out that Matt did actually reassure her about what a great guide Sonny would be. And Sonny says that Skippy is just as good and they head off together. Now, we cut back to the boat, and Matt and Mark are talking about how tough it will be for Sonny. So at least they acknowledge that leaving a 10-year-old with 10 kids is not exactly going to be easy, particularly because all the kids ask questions in different languages. Matt then points out that sometimes a little knowledge can lead to trouble, proving his point by asking Mark if he always offers people bread and jam when they ask him where the bathroom is. So Mark realizes his mistake and says, oh, is that what they wanted? Pretty sheepishly. So I feel like Mark, who's been laughing about this whole thing, is getting put in his place, deservedly so, a couple of times here. Yeah, he is. Because, um, I don't know, he started so, so strong with the Asta La Vista baby. So I thought he was this culturally competent character. So it's, it's sad to see him be put down, but, you know, had to be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, from here on, we get to the bush tour, and this is what we were alluding to before. It's a pretty magical one, and we also learn a lot about Australian wildlife on this tour. So um, I'm going to go through this adventure with what they encounter and some of the information that Sunny shares, just to paint the picture. First on the trek, they greet a wombat, and Sunny explains it's like a koala, but it doesn't climb trees. And then he points to a koala 
which she says is the wombat's cousin. I'll gotta be honest, I didn't know that. I don't know if that's true. If it's actually like a, a relative, is that something that's true? I think they are sort of related, so yes. Like the faces, they sort of have the same nose, sort of same Yeah, face. they've got that very broad nose. Yeah. Well, he then explains how the baby is on its back and that they have pouches like a kangaroo, which is where the cubs live. And again, that was something I think I did know, but I just completely forgot. So even hearing that again, I thought, oh yeah, they do too, because you always see them on the back. Yeah. And well, one thing he didn't mention was uh, wombats have their pouches facing backwards oh, because uh, so they don't get dirt in them. That's pretty cool. uh, incredible bushwalk. Normally you see a koala once every 17 years. They've seen a koala and a wombat and a bloody everything to exist oh. around every corner. It's just amazing. Within the space of like 10 metres? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll keep, I'll keep going on it. Sunny then informs them that most Australian animals are nocturnal, even though, as you said, there are plenty still for them to see. So further on, he points out a possum and a cockatoo. He explains how the cockatoo is clever at talking, and when there's danger, they warn all the other birds and animals about it. And there's also a huge lizard on the road, and he also takes the time to warn of snakes, but he does say most will leave you alone if you don't hassle them. We then see and hear a kookaburra, who Sunny says the first explorers mistook for people. And that's the laugh, not the bird. They didn't think the bird were people, unless they were <laughs> on some of that. Complete glorious... and utter idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the laugh, yeah, yeah, I guess if you've never heard one before, you might think, is that someone laughing? There's, there's a whole Monty Python sketch there about someone that thinks a kookaburra looks like a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, uh, as if on cue, all the animals have appeared and make the sound that they make for the tour group. So this whole experience has been pretty much straight out of a cartoon. And it makes you realize that Sonny is better than Dr. Doolittle. Like for him to be able to, it just makes me think mm. of that in Jurassic Park when, you know, none of the dinosaurs come out. Whereas in this, every single animal came out. Yeah. I'm curious as well, um, Ashwin, because you grew up in New Zealand. Mm. Were all these animals, was there an assumption even in New Zealand? Or do you think New Zealanders had more of an insight to other countries and that this isn't normal? Like this isn't what you see every day. Yeah. No, I think New Zealanders are, are aware that, this kind of sighting is real, like the Kiwi. You never see a Kiwi living in New Zealand. You can spend 30 years there. You won't see one in the wild. They just hide um, away. So imagine they would be quite wary of that. I, I will note, Ashwood, having visited New Zealand, you do sometimes see Kiwis on the side of the road, sadly. Actual Kiwis? or Well, just puffballs, I'd assume, that what's Kiwis. If they... If... <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that's what I saw. That's why I saw a few of them. Uh, we travelled across the whole island. So, yeah. Well, you're very lucky because normally they're really good at hiding in the dark. Because, yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, dead. like they weren't living. They were oh, sorry, I missed that bit. Yeah, I'll go. There was a lot of, uh, I was just saying the roadkill uh, kiwis were sort of abundant. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're okay. very murderous country. Look, we're good at it too. We're good at roadkill too. I was just about to say, because although we say you never see one, it's not like I have seen kangaroos and koalas in the wild quite a few times. And unfortunately, sometimes you do see them hit on the side of the road. And there's actually quite a lot of places in Australia, and this is more for our international listeners, where there are signs everywhere, koala crossing, kangaroo crossing, like you oh. know, there's road signs to warn you that this is an area that they probably might jump out. Well, Ooh. as I was saying before this episode, I saw them... Within last week, I saw a kangaroo and a koala while on holiday. So, you know, there you go. It does happen. It's it's easy, uh, especially in areas that pretty much just have bush around them. Uh, You'll always sort of get something. You're just not seeing them in the city and and in suburbs. That's probably the main thing to, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, further on this trail, Sunny asks if the kids would like to see some ancient Aboriginal rock paintings. I really like, by the way, how this show 
doesn't shy away from all the Aboriginal history that's in the country? Because I can't think of another Australian show that really has dealt with it like this. Like to actually put it into an episode, not just say, check out all the animals, come and check out the Aboriginal rock paintings. I thought that was pretty good. It would be weird if he'd said, oh, do you want to go see a Van Gogh or something? (laughs) Just hanging up on a tree. Um, (laughs) I don't know how I got there. Now, the other thing is, I'm not sure if you were going to note this, but Sonny was a little bit off with his facts in the respect of he said that the rock art was hundreds and hundreds of years old, which (laughs) it might have been recent uh, Aboriginal art from a a few 200 years ago, but usually when they find Aboriginal art, it goes back a little bit further than that, I'll just say. It yeah. was quite a lot further, but let's let's be honest. It's not Sunny that got that fact wrong. It's <laughs> yeah, yes, no, no, no. It's the scriptwriter. Yeah. yeah, no, I won't take it against him. No, no. 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 Sunny's going to take him to a cave. There's almost certainly going to be an armed convict inside. That <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's I mean... the thing. There's any time he takes anybody to yeah some kind of uh, rock, yeah. usually they on the way or there's trouble there. Yeah, there's usually a criminal or Dr. Stark. Yeah, or someone falls. So we know that there's trouble. But this turns out very differently. Well, yeah. there is there is drama. So let's yeah, There's get still drama, but it's yeah. not like the typical. No. <laughs> well, so this rock art, it's up on kind of a mountain cliff face. And the kids are keen to check it out. And they hike along. And as they do, we see a dingo staring at them. And then some tense music begins. So this is to really establish... Okay, this is not one of the cute animals that we've just seen on the road. This is a threat. Sorry, I was going to say just it's funny you say it was a threat because pretty much most of the shots of the dingoes, they look adorable. <laughs> I think that's why they needed the music. Yeah, yeah and, and the growling, the whole really yes. aggressive growling when like one's yawning. You know, <laughs> it's just like it's some clever editing and some dubbing there. Yes. Well, before we really get the real sense of threat, Duval and Ho detour as Duval wants to pick up a nice looking flower. She remembers, though, that Matt said not to. So really, this is just to get them, I guess, behind the group, Mm. um, which is exactly what Ho is worried about. She thinks that they might lose the group. But Duval is already pretty confident with Skippy. She can see her and says, no, 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 Skippy won't let us lose the group. Meanwhile, though, the dingoes are hunting the children, or at least that's what it's meant to look like. And this alpha is following them up a rock cliff. And Skippy, however, spots this and she tries to tell him to nick off, but the dingoes don't want a bar of it. So she then, Skippy that is, goes back to Duval and Ho and they all have a bit of a chat. And it's another example of strangers being able to speak to Skippy. And the only thing I could think of is, look, they have already established they can speak quite a few languages for the kids. So why not add kangaroo to the list? Like It's just another it's, one. It's a simple, uh, you know, translation. It is. So Sonny's now led the kids up this rock cliff and he's helping them up by hand and he's counting them off and all 10 are there, but no adults. So he calls out for Miss Ho and Duval and assures the kids that they'll wait there for them and tells them not to worry because they've got Skippy as a co-tour guide. But then we cut to Ho and Duval and Skippy isn't there. So <laughs> really set that up quite, quite nicely. And they're lost and they're calling out in all the languages that they know to try to work out what the heck's going on. Where are the kids? And we cut to the rock face again and the kids now hear the dingoes. And then when they see the dingo, they get super frightened. Mm. Now, Sonny tries to chill them out and he's sort of lamenting that they can't understand him. He says, it's just a dingo. But a girl shouts, wolf, wolf at him. And he's like, it's not a wolf. There are no wolves in this country. And he's trying to explain that it's just like a wild dog not to be frightened because they can smell fear and they will strike if you show them that fear. And that's when we hear the dingoes really start to growl from the rocks. There's quite a few of them that have surrounded them. And Sunny shouts to try to scare them away. And they, they kind of do scatter. 
And he says, look, they're cowards. That's what I was trying to tell you. You know, they're, they're cowards. Now, I mean, John, you mentioned them being cute. Did you know dingoes were cowards? Did you know that they won't attack if, or they'll only attack if they sense fear? Well, I don't know about that. I think they're opportunistic. If they see something small enough, they'll probably have a go at it. Like a baby? Well, yes. Well, that, we, we know that, that that's very possible. <laughs> but, like, you know, there's all those um, dingoes on Frasier, and they've killed a few kids and stuff so it all depends but no they are pretty much one of those things where it's a wild dog if you scare it off it will get lost because it won't want the challenge what's the equivalent of a dingo in new zealand ashwin we don't have any wild dogs i mean there's no big animals big dangerous animals there so i was just and that girl that was kept yelling wolf wolf she looked like germanic so she was yelling a german animal maybe mm. a german yeah. animal if there was an african kitty would have yelled hyena it was just interesting seeing the kids <laughs> Is this again Ross? Just, oh, look, she looks German. Just make her anything that's German. (laughs) So uh, Sonny continues trying to communicate with the kids that the dingoes won't go away unless they show that they're not frightened. And he's getting nothing but blank looks. And so he does the classic slow talk approach that people always do when they're speaking to someone, thinking that this will make English suddenly comprehensible to them. And of course, it isn't. It doesn't make any difference at all. He says that they may as well go down from the rock and assures them that they won't let he, he won't let anything bad happen to them. But the kids still won't come with him. And th- that little blonde girl keeps saying, wolf, wolf. And Sonny just doesn't know what to do. And we cut then to the teachers. They're huddled and terrified as the dingoes continue to growl. But then we see Skippy arrive. And they sort of cut to a second later where we, we sort of see a shot in the distance through the cracks of these rocks where the dingoes are running away which we do establish later on what was going on. But at this point, we just see them sort of running. Sonny sees this. He tries to get the kids to follow and they don't. And he finally loses it and says, fine, I'm just going to leave you here. And when he starts to go back down, the wolf girl is actually the one Mm. to first follow. And because she follows, the others join. Down the cliff, he lines them up and he's asking if anyone knows a good song to sing while they go. None say anything. So Sonny says he knows one. And I'd actually never heard this song before. It's basically a repeating verse. Like a, a, a it looked, it sounded like it was about a dog in the meadow. I don't know. Did either one of you know this? No, song? I didn't catch much of it. Yeah. It was a very like unaudible song. I'm surprised Qantas didn't ask for like, I am, you are, we are all Australian or something that they would do. <laughs> it's a good point. Or that they weren't all like disembarking off the plane covered in Qantas hats and other. Mm. <laughs> Like, yeah, to say, oh, and, no, that, just, and yeah. that song was around. It was um, the Seekers. So yeah. Well, from this scene, we cut to a fight scene between Skippy and the Dingoes, and it is comprised of a lot of fast cuts, and yeah. a lot of the shots were repeated. But in the shots that we did see, it really did look like those animals were being oh. forced to fight. Like we see multiple Dingoes landing on Skippy, and vice versa. Did you guys? I mean, I'll start with you, Ashwin. Did you feel tense when you were watching that? Yeah, it did look like she was getting bitten. I was hoping that they've done that in post-merging footage together or something like that, but that was quite quite disturbing, that attack. Well, I've got to assume it was a mixture of live and stuffed kangaroo, but I sort of had a really weird response to this episode, especially from this point on. I got really, like, emotional and weird about it. Like, I don't know why I sort of had to push down, like, quite a lot of, like upsetness there was something about it that just really upset me um but also made me want to cry too and it was sort of a weird like i think it was because skippy was surrounded and especially when sunny got there and saw yeah yeah but but no like and it was but like that whole attack um because it looked like 
and just to paint another picture, it was like someone had like got Skippy and they basically were like lunging Skippy out of like they were out of shot, but lunging it at a, at live dingoes and the dingoes were sort of shying away and stuff and then vice versa with the dingoes. And yeah, it was really, really quite disturbing. I almost feel like it's up there with that other episode, the, um, the Long Way Home Long or way whatever. Home. Yeah, Yeah, because I've got to assume that a lot of the really hairy stuff was a stuffed kangaroo. I don't know. But still, there is a scene where you can see it's a live kangaroo that they're shoving at a dingo. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Anytime there's animals in this show fighting or interacting this way, like animals that usually wouldn't be getting along nicely, it makes me feel nervous. And so that scene definitely had – I had a visceral – reaction my gut tensed up when i saw that because i think no i yeah like i i was the same i like i don't know like i was just like oh what's happening to me you know i was like why is why is skippy making me react like this but then the like the story as well like it sort of then i it like that sort of got me so upset that the story i got involved with the story a bit more Mm -hmm. almost because i was like you know when what happens you sort of you know, I felt really like, oh, you know, I felt really good after it. Maybe because Skippy was, normally when she's surrounded by gunmen and other people who can show restraint, you think, okay, the gunman's not really going to shoot her. Mm-hmm. But she was just surrounded by these dingoes without much IQ. And they were just kept, and it just kept on going and going and going. Yeah. And, you know, that's why they really ratcheted up that danger. Yeah. yeah, well, and then this is sort of getting to where you were going, John. Where so the kids finally approach the teachers and they shout for them to stay back. And we see Sonny look down and he sees two dingoes flanking Skippy, who is backing up against a bush. And again, this was real, it was a wide shot. So if the animal wranglers were around, they were not close enough to pull those dingoes off before they pounced if they wanted to. And again, this is not a domestic, these aren't domestic animals, so. Mm. They could do whatever they wanted to. Presumably, they fed them and did all this sort of stuff to, I guess, to minimize the risk of them doing that. But at the same time, it was two flanking dingoes on a kangaroo, and she was backing into that bush. She was backing away to get safe, and she couldn't because she was trapped. It's just a big lesson of like why they don't use live animals now, you know? Yes. Well, Sunny sees this, and this is also, it was, I think you're right. The, the way that it was done, it was quite emotional. Like, Sunny sees it, he shouts to Skippy that he's coming, and then charges. And as he charges, you, you know, yelling and waving his arms to try to scare them away behind him, the kids follow his lead, and they also run down shouting. And so it's almost like this kid's battle cry, like, mm. in- Children's Federation have come to, to, yeah, <laughs> come to collect yeah. dingo um, pelts. Um, oh, that would have been great if at the end they were all wearing like uh, <laughs> dingo <laughs> pelts. <laughs> the dingoes freak out and they run off at last. And again, I kind of thought this is a comment on communication. Like they didn't understand Sonny's words, but they did understand his actions. And mm. sometimes that sort of leadership speaks louder than words. So they really, he, he really won them over at this point. And the song that he sung that got them all sort of together, unified, again, they didn't necessarily understand the lyrics, but he was bringing them all together with that yeah. song and then with, with sort of demonstrating he was ch- taking the charge. He was in the lead. It's not like he sent them forward. He ran ahead and, yeah, that's what leaders do. He, he stepped yeah. up. That's yeah. it. He stepped yeah. up. I it was really... like a mix of SBS and Lord of the Flies at that moment. <laughs> yes. It was a bit. Yeah, it was really 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 impressive in this episode. They really wrote oh, yeah. a pretty good part for him. 
So after that, we see Sonny cuddling Skippy. She's on the ground, pretty dirty and messed up. And he's telling the two teachers that the kids are fine. He says that while they didn't get to see the rock carvings, they should now know the difference between a wolf and a dingo. And Sonny and the kids all surround Skippy, giving her lots of pats. And this time it doesn't look as threatening, I suppose. No. We go from there to the final scene. The kids are back on the bus, ready to leave. Matt is walking Deval and Ho to the bus. And Matt says it's obvious what happened. Skippy sensed the danger and tried to lure the dingoes away. Duval says that while she was doing that, though, she actually lured them to her and Ho. But Matt says, look, as long as Skippy was there, everyone would always be safe. And Duval says, yep, she definitely found that out with her experience. So we then see the bus. Ho comes out on the steps and says the kids want to let them know that dingoes or no dingoes, they've never had so much fun. And as the bus drives off, we hear the kids singing the song that Sunny taught them. And everyone's waving goodbye, including Skippy. And again, this is probably where you were talking about before with the string, John. Yeah. It must have been a line tied to her pool because it didn't look like any other person was near her waving it for her. She was waving. The thing was, when I first saw that, I don't know, I guess I was lost in the episode. I'm like, oh, shit, Skippy's waving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sort of accepted it. Like, that's exactly what I did. I just sort of went, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just did like I was like, wait a minute, that's not the same. It's like an independent little arm. It's like now what you'd do is you'd be in a green screen and you'd have a kangaroo and you'd like wave its arm like that. Yeah, um but no, there was there. there was obviously a little pull line and um Skippy's arm was just waving, but the, I could not see a line at all. Like no. it was well hidden. It was, yeah. Well, let's start. I mean, John, you said this was quite an emotional episode for you. So let's start with you. How would you rate this episode? Well, I don't know. Like, just on an emotional response, I have to say it's, like, high because I definitely got cheated up in this episode (laughs) towards the end. And I'm not sure if it was, like, the disturbing footage or just the more of the plot as well of, like, how these kids all ended up like uh, banding together and scaring off these dingoes, you know, under Sonny's leadership. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to give it a high one. I'm going to give it four and a half because I, I definitely think that it, it's worth it for that kind of emotional response. And um, the danger was real. And because the other thing is like, we've learned Skippy's one weakness dingoes yeah so you know which technically is a kangaroo's major weakness in the wild um apart from cars won't won't go into that but you know skippy's had a run in with that before but yeah no i i really like this so i think four and a half yeah um so yeah four four and a half great it's a really strong score what about you ashman yeah i did like this episode because it made a slight twist it started as a fish out of water episode with this culture clash thing Mm. but then as they got the hill, then there's the kids learning this wildlife lesson, which you didn't think they'd learn. You think they were just being obstinate, but they had learned how to scare dingoes away. And they used that technique, almost like a martial arts movie where Daniel learns the crane kick and then he uses it just when it's needed. They use the crane kick that they learned yep. just at the right moment. And then you go from this culture clash, which we see to this beautiful moment where Sonny risks his life to save his best mate. And it's just, that was such a wonderful moment because Skip, mm. how many times did Skippy saved Sonny? And just the look on Sonny's face when he thought Skippy was going to get torn apart by dingoes, just that he doesn't, yeah, he's just going to jump in there to save his best mate. So I thought it's a really lovely moment as well. So yeah, I reckon 4.3 gum leaves for me, which I think might be the highest I've ever given. So yeah, well, it was up go. there anyway. Yeah, well, even hearing you talking about it, I mean, because this episode was interesting and yet it was fairly simple. It was, yeah. it had a child's point of view of international relations, <laughs> the frustrations when you can't communicate with someone. It had action. It had a warm feeling at the end. So I was toing and froing between my score, to be honest, because I thought, am I like, have I 
just enjoyed this more than it deserves? Like, I, I'm not yeah. sure. But hearing yeah. you talk about it like this, it obviously wasn't just I was in a particular mood. It just was a good episode. So, mm. I mean, I'm usually pretty harsh. I'm always giving like threes, but I, I'm going to give this one a four, four gum leaves. Yep. For all the reasons that you guys said, it just had that feeling. Whatever you say about it, and you can break it down and look at all the themes, which we've got to give Ross credit for this because he did write this, and we often make fun of him for being sexist and all the different... And we were worried. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. I was like going, please don't have a Mexican. Please don't have a Mexican. But he didn't didn't really do any stereotyping. No. No, not at all. They're all dressed in pretty normal clothing. Yes. Well, there's a late later hose in there. That's probably the most there. But you know, there's a Japanese girl. She's not like done up in like a kimono or anything. Like they've yeah. done it pretty, you know, uh, repro- appropriately. And yeah. I, I've sort of got to imagine most of these kids are local cast. Yeah. So definitely, for all those reasons, it was surprising given who wrote it that it, it turns out the way that it was, and just a strong episode. So we've all gone in the fours. So de- I'd say together, if we were adding all of our scores up. It's probably one of the strongest, even mm. probably the top three, I'd say, rated ones that we've ever given. Yeah, well, I think the second most rated is that Long Way at Home one. Um, yeah. But I think this one just had that because it had that international kid. Also, I just came to the realisation of, like, the kids are really loud to each other, but what if they didn't know each other's languages, how did... <laughs> Why were they talking and yelling? But anyway, we'll leave that one up to the mystery of We've given Ross credit. Let's not now smash him at the <laughs> just, Okay, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm just getting, you know, no, I'm getting all confused with plots. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next episode, John, is episode 33. So what is going to happen next week? Oh, sorry, the next episode, The Empty Chair. Sonny travels to Sydney to persuade a friend from a previous episode to return temporarily to help the park. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to give too much away, but basically they're going to drill for oil in Waratah National Park. So, uh, yeah, very relevant episode. Yeah, Thanks. looking forward to seeing who this previous friend is. Mm. Excellent. All right, well, join us for that episode next week, everyone. Until then, I'm Lee, and with me has been Ashwin. See you guys. And John. Thanks, guys.